Hello and welcome to The JW Show. I'm your host, Joshua Washington, Director of the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel. And my guest today is a very special guest. Um, I, we happen to know each other pretty well. Uh, she's the mother of my child and also my wife. CEO of Daisy International. She's a lawyer and she also recently received her master's in business. Uh, Miss Olga Washington. Olga, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Yes. So where in South Africa are you from, Olga? I'm from Johannesburg, South Africa. Johannesburg. And uh, is that where you live now? No. I live with you, and you <laughs> happen to live in Stockton, California. Okay. We moved here after I graduated from my MBA, which I attained at Regent University in Virginia Beach. Awesome. And uh, how did you like growing up in South Africa? On the whole, it was great. Yeah. So my parents were part of an international organization called Christ for All Nations when we were young. And so we traveled quite a bit, spent um, a bit of time not only in South Africa, but also outside of South Africa here in the United States, as well as in a few African countries. So my memories as a child have been both of diversity in countries outside of South Africa, but also diversity in my own country. The difference being that when we were in South Africa, we couldn't just hang out with whomever we wanted to hang out with because of the apartheid laws right. that existed at the time. But when we were outside of South Africa, we were able to freely move around with people of other races. And so of the various memories, that's one distinct one. That's interesting. So I was going to ask you that too, growing up, because you were a child. You remember apartheid. You were I small, do. but I, I mean, do. you remember apartheid. Um, how did that affect your um, upbringing or your outlook on life? First of all, I do need to give much thanks to my parents who did a phenomenal job in how they raised us. They raised us to believe in ourselves because, first of all, we were people made in the image of God, and it didn't matter what our skin color was. Mm. So when the society at the time, because of government's policy and laws that were used to implement apartheid where there is where those laws said that we couldn't go to a certain place because we weren't worthy enough where those laws said that we couldn't attain certain um, careers or, or have certain dreams um, if I may quickly tell a story I remember being in high school and there was a cum laude award that somebody in you guys call it the 12th grade we at the time called it matric if you're in matric you could attain this award and as a eighth grade a student at the time, I remember looking at somebody who had attained this award and I commented, I can't remember to who it was, whether it was a friend or just a, another classmate saying, I want to get that award. And the immediate response that was given to me is that you can't get it because you're black. Mm. So wow. growing up, you know, we it, it, you, you just couldn't go wherever you wanted to go, whether it was on holiday or whether it was just going to the park. Um, you had to be very wary of where you went and why you went, but at no time because of how my parents raised us, did we personally internalize it? And I say we because of my siblings and I personally internalize it as we were being um, differentiated because we were not worthy. It was just an unfortunate set of laws that made it seem as if black people were inferior to white people and so mm -hmm. had to be separated. Wow, wow. That's, that's um, heavy. Um, and for you as a black person in South Africa... Um, I want to ask you too, 
now have have you seen is there a big change culturally? I know apartheid fell in 1994. Yeah. Um, but but obviously it takes it takes time for things to really change on mm-hmm. the ground. Mm-hmm. Growing up then further in South Africa after that, did you were, was there still did you still have those struggles or did you notice that things changed for you? So South Africa is a baby democracy. Mm. <laughs> this year we celebrated our 25 um, birthday, if I can say, of being a democratic country. Mm. And even though there have been many progresses made, um, you know, you can pretty much go wherever you want to go in South Africa. You can um, attain whatever career you want to, but we're still dealing with some of the scars of the apartheid legacy. Um, with regards to the story that I told you, bless the Lord, I was the first black person to attain that. And and so there are many stories now where you've got young black people breaking ceilings that used to exist um, with regards to, to or barriers that existed because of apartheid. Now, unfortunately, even though there has been progress made, being a young democracy and at times, and I say this respectfully, our leaders have not been careful enough and have not been deliberate enough in ensuring that a that there's been complete healing and complete reconciliation caused by I mean the the approximately fifty years of, of separation and segregation that we existed that existed because of apartheid. So there are still racial tensions that exist and at times those racial tensions are flamed by politicians who are seeking their own agenda. But on the whole And I love my people. We are a very tenacious people. And on the ground, people really want to move forward. They really want to live in a prosperous um, environment. And if we are able to work together with each other as well as with leadership, then the many socioeconomic challenges that we face, because in my personal opinion, that's the biggest thing that we face, um, we'll be able to to do better. So we're struggling, Mm. but the future is very bright and I'm very hopeful. Mm. That's good. That's good. Let's talk about Daisy um, for for a few minutes. Um, defend, embrace, invest in, and support Israel. Tell me a little bit about it, and and what is your role in Daisy? So I'm the CEO of Daisy, and it's a nonprofit organization that is headquartered in South Africa. That was started by my father a few years ago. I remember him coming home. Coming home. Excuse me. I remember him coming home after having visited the United States and Canada. He was here on a speaking tour and he came home very angry and very passionate in his displeasure as he told us of how he had learned of the BDS movement Mm. and how on campuses they were being very active and in some instances very successful Mm. in smearing Israel using the apartheid analogy. Mm. And he said that if there was going to be a people who were going to respond to this, in addition to the many voices that were speaking, black South Africans who had lived through apartheid, who have a moral authority on the subject, had to be amongst those who spoke up. And he said, okay, black South Africans, we as a family are black South Africans and we're going to do something about it. Mm. And so when he said he wanted to start this organization, I remember saying to him, dad, you've got too much on your plate. You're really too busy. Let somebody else do it. Because my personal stance at that time was, you pray for Israel. That's what you do. You open the scriptures. Scriptures say, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's what you do. But there was no activism, no mm. advocacy. 
Thankfully, mm. he didn't listen to <laughs> to his daughter right. and he started the organization. And over the years, um, as I've grown up in the organization, I started out just as a legal advisor because of my legal background. And then I moved up to uh, chief operating officer, now the CEO. My outlook has changed and it is an honor to serve in Daisy. We're about ensuring that we are that we raise a breed of young people who have moral clarity and are able to advocate as well as be activists for the truth regarding Israel and the Middle East conflict. That's interesting. And you, you mentioned BDS, um, boycott, divest, and sanction, which is that language was used during apartheid. I know here in yes. this country to, to boycott um, co- um, companies I did business with, mm-hmm. apartheid South Africa at the time. And so obviously, like you said, that seems to be like a they, they take that language to use um, to smear Israel. Absolutely. So South Africa's relationship to Israel, I think you would agree that it's a little it's kind of rocky. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So as a South a Black South African who has an organization who runs an organization that is pro Israel, how how is Daisy received in South Africa? What what have you guys? received as far as either pushback or even positive um, enforcement? It's a fairly complicated relationship uh, that exists between Israel and South Africa. So on a a formal diplomatic level, um, our country likes to say that they want to be a party to the negotiations that may be happening between Israel and the the Palestinians. However, the behavior of the South African government has been very anti-Israel. But you'll find on the ground, the majority of South Africans are pro-Israel. They love Israel. They pray for Israel. They believe that we should be having a relationship with Israel. That, unfortunately, has not translated into activism. So when something needs to happen or when there's a law that's been proposed or when there are um, friends of BDS or BDS itself, which has a strong presence in South Africa, when they stand up, there's not enough response to that. So when DAISY steps up and says, okay, we are going to be an organization that will not only pray, and there are many organizations that do that, and we're very thankful for them, but that will get up on the street, and if there needs to be a protest march, we'll be there. If there needs to be a rally, we'll be there. If there needs to be uh, um, events held on student campuses, we'll be there. Has been received, thankfully, well, specifically by the Jewish community, as you can appreciate. The Christian community has also been receptive. We have had incidences of uh, Christian anti-Semitism, but I think the biggest hurdle at times that we have with Christians is helping them get over their apathy. It's not sufficient just to pray. You've got to act. Mm, Um, And then, you know, being a very uh, debatable topic um, and at times a very hostile topic, we have had incidences where members of DAISY have been sworn at, shouted at, uh, threatened um, on university campuses by by the BDS and and those who oppose what we're doing. But my experience is that their bark has been uh, louder than their bite, and we're excited about the opportunities that we have to do what we do. You mentioned something about, despite the majority of South Africans supporting, actually supporting Israel, the government does not have a friendly disposition toward Israel. Why is that? Because if South Africa is a democracy, you know, wouldn't wouldn't the leaders want to reflect the views of the majority of the people? Why do you think that it's it's opposite? So absolutely, you would think that the leaders reflect what the majority of South Africans um, want. 
but there are various issues that government has to represent. So you'd have your bread and butter issues, your economical issues. When it comes to the issue of Israel, there hasn't necessarily been the opportunity for the people on the ground to express what they want the government to say. So, for example, people don't go necessarily to the ballot to say we're going to be voting for the party that best represents Israel. Some people use that as a criteria, but not the majority of people. Um, Also, what you find is that the leadership of the African National Congress, which is the majority government, um, and so oftentimes when we talk about the South African government, we synonymously think of and refer to the ANC, even though practically that's not how it works. Um, Leaders within the African National Congress have got personal relations as well as professional relations with the Palestinian Authority, with Hamas. And so what you then find is that infiltration wields greater influence than Mm. the influence of the constituents. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Um, Olga, thank you for being here again. Y'all don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment. Hear that song without thinking about you. I still can't hear that song without remembering it all. I've underestimated what it takes to forget. Every woe, woe hurts more than I care to admit. I still can't hear that song without thinking about you. I still can't hear that song without remembering it all. We danced right through the bridge, but Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the JW Show. I'm your host once again, Joshua Washington, and I'm here with my wife, Olga Washington. Olga, thank you for being with us again. Um, we mentioned, or you mentioned in the first half of the interview about BDS, and how they they attempt to hijack um, certain language and, and attribute that to Israel. One of the biggest words, I guess, that they would use is apartheid. They mm-hmm. want to they call Israel an apartheid state. Mm-hmm. Is that true or false, and why? <laughs> so I chuckle because it's it's ridiculous. Israel is the only true democracy in the Middle East. I have been to Israel on five occasions. On five occasions, and Nowhere did I see, as well as my knowledge of Israel's various laws, do I know of um, a system of legislation that would equate to mm. apartheid, as was the case in South Africa. Mm. And so, you're so as someone who is a Black South African, so you're looking through the lens of literally what you were born into. You were born into apartheid in South Africa. I'm looking at through the lens of experience, as well as through the lens of definition. So if you look at apartheid South Africa, which started in 1948, interestingly enough, the mm. year that it, the modern state of Israel was born, over the, f- over the years, about 150 laws, just over 150 laws, codified laws in writing, created a legal system that institutionalized the separation of people based on the color of their skin. Mm. You could not go, we could not go um, 
to the same public schools. We could not use the same public transportation systems. We could not even use some of the public, same public facilities, be it beaches, be it water fountains. Um, by law, you could not marry who you wanted to marry if that person was of a different color. By law, your movements within the country, you as a citizen, you were restricted as to where you could go, where you could not go. By law, we could not vote. So when you understand that that is what apartheid was and having experienced that and then you go to Israel and you're like, huh, wait a minute. And that's what happened on one of our first tours to Israel with Daisy. I remember the young people being very surprised when they got on the bus and we had a Jewish tour guide and we had an Arab driver. And they were like, wait a minute, here we've got people of two, uh, two people of different ethnicities together. We're all riding on the same transportation system. When they hung out on the streets of Jerusalem and other cities that we visited, they were like, wait a minute. Arab people are shopping with Jewish people who are shopping with other minorities, the Druze. This isn't apartheid. Um, hospitals in Israel, you can be treated at the same hospital, you receive the same quality of care, and that wasn't the case in, in South Africa. So the narrative that Israel is an apartheid state is an absolute lie. Maybe let me say this as well. People say that racism exists in Israel, and that's one of the bases that they use then to have the apartheid claim. Can I tell you something? I've been here in the United States for a few years now. I have seen incidences of racism. In South Africa, democratic South Africa today, there are incidences of racism. That goes for many other modern as well as mature democracies of the world. But none of those countries are then said to, because racism exists within their borders, to be apartheid states. Mm. Why the double standards? Why the hypocrisy? Why the difference? And yeah, and, and tell us why... Why do why then do they use this language when it seems so clear that that's not what Israel is? Why do they call it an apartheid state? I think firstly, the the people who push this narrative know that unfortunately we live in a society where people are lazy, and I say that respectfully. We are lazy. We don't want to do our own reading. Right. <laughs> we'll 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 take a buzzword and just run with it. Now, if you were to say to me that apartheid exists in another part of the world, I would immediately get a, get angry because. Apartheid was evil. And so if that system has been implemented in any other nation, it's evil and there needs to be a response. So they understand the power of what that system was and how people across the world rallied to ensure the liberation of the South African people. So they use that word manipulated, manipulate people's emotions, um, misappropriated in order to drive an agenda that at the end of the day wants to delegitimize Israel and also wants to demonize the nation of Israel. Right. And so Daisy's role then is to educate? Yes. Educate young people? Our focus is young people. Okay. Um, and specifically young people on college campuses right. because that's where people are, um, or rather in, in terms of training, young minds are made pliable and then they go into the, walk, the workplace and right. they become future leaders. And that's also where the BDS has um, been really, really active. So even though that's our core focus, we are in um, churches and uh, are looking to go into high schools and, and just generally to communities, organizations that desire to not only hear the truth, but are genuinely interested in peace between the Palestinians and, and Israelis, and also who want to see Africa in a better place. Because, and I don't know if you've had a guest that has spoken on this, or if there is going to be a guest that's going to speak on this, many of Africa's problems, and I'll speak to Africa specifically because I'm an African, many of Africa's problems can be, there are solutions 
that Israel has to offer mm. that can solve those problems. Mm. And we need that help. Absolutely. What are some of those things? So for South Africa specifically, I actually want you to answer, if you can, for South Africa and then for Africa. Okay. What, um, or do you see any good coming out of a good Israel-South Africa relationship? And if so, what what is that? What are some of the specific things? So for South Africa and then for Africa-Israel as well. For South Africa specifically, two examples immediately come to mind. The last couple of years in various parts of South Africa, but more specifically and more famously in Cape Town, we have had a drought problem. We've had a water shortage problem. Right. And South Africa, I mean, South Africa, Israel is a, a leader, world leader in drip irrigation. She's a world leader in, I almost want to say, manufacturing water out of nothing. I mm, mean, she's right. recently been able to um, manufacture air, yeah. if I can use that water out of the air. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Out of the air. So we've had this problem in our country. And because the supporters of BDS have said boycott Israel, we have not been able to ensure that there's a solution to our water shortage. Mm. Who suffers at the end of the day? Ordinary South Africans suffer. Right. South Africans right. who need the water to survive, who need the water to be able to eat, they're the people that um, suffer. So water um, assistance is one example. The second example, and I've had a blank. I will come to it specifically <laughs> with regards to... Oh, oh uh, um, South Africa has got a very, very high unemployment rate. Mm. The latest data is that our unemployment rate is between 27 to 29%. And oh that wow. is the official unemployment rate. Wow. Israel, the startup nation of the world, imagine if Israel were to come and say, hey, you don't need to rely on just getting a job. Be your own mm. entrepreneur. Right. Start your own businesses. This is how you can be innovative mm. and earn an income, not just for yourself, but for your families, for your communities. Right, there would be right. an absolute revolution economically in our country. Mm. But BDS says, no, can't have anything to do with Israel. And what is upsetting and what gets me angry most of the times is they don't then bring a solution themselves. Right, right. So in these two areas, Israel could be of absolute great assistance. Um, on an Africa scale, terrorism. Unfortunately, Israel has experienced terrorism pretty much from the day that she was born right. and so has got incredible counter-terrorism uh, solutions. Africa is being terrorized. We hear it on the news only when it is a major incident, but on a day-to-day -day basis in countries such as Nigeria and countries such as Kenya mm, and yeah. other um, smaller countries, terrorism faces us and mm. we need assistance in that regard. We need assistance um, agriculturally. I, I mentioned that a little bit when referring to, to water in South Africa, but on, right. on the continent itself, um, we need assistance there. African Israel on strangers. We have been friends not only since biblical times, but at the beginning of the independence that was achieved by many African countries, Israel was the first nation mm -hmm. to come on board and to help. So my desire is to continue to see this renaissance, um, this mm -hmm. renewal of the Africa-Israel relationship. Yeah. Mm. That's awesome. And do you ever see, or for, for Daisy specifically, um, and you, you touched on it, but um, what is your, especially for the youth, the, the end goal for them? So, you know, you said young leaders, young, mm -hmm. young um, entrepreneurs, the next political leaders. Yeah. Um, what, um, what do you hope to do through them? Or what do you hope for them to do with this education, growing up with this knowledge? We mentioned, I think it was in the first half, that the diplomatic relationship between Israel and South Africa is a bit rocky. Right. 
So we would love to have leaders who will one day be in positions of influence and power mm. um, in the business sphere, in the political sphere, that will ensure that that diplomatic relationship is not a rocky mm. one, but is a strong and a solid one. Mm. Africa, excuse me, South Africa is one of the uh, powerhouse countries on the continent, and many African countries look to South Africa. And if South Africa were to show what a good relationship with Israel looks like, mm. then we would see a change in how other African nations um, deal with Israel. So influence of change at that level. Uh, also having the opportunities for Africans, specifically South Africans, to connect with Israel on a business level um, mm. and having economic growth come into the country um, on that level. I, on a personal level as well as on a political front, would also love to see the Zionism as Racism resolution that was adopted by the African Union uh, rescinded. It was mm. rescinded by the United Nations, but unfortunately that resolution continues to remain in force at mm. the African Union, um, and that needs to go. So mm. if we are able to raise advocates who are able to grow up and um, sit on the African Union and apply pressure there, my heart will be joyful. Uh, incredible, incredible. Olga, I want to thank you again for being here with us, um, for speaking with us, for sharing your knowledge. And for those of you who are listening to us now, if you can look up Daisy, Olga, can you give them the website uh, address to Daisy? What is it? It's www.daisy.org. Daisy, even though it's pronounced like the flower, it's spelt D-E-I-S-I. So it's www.deisi.org. You guys hear that? D-E-I-S-I dot org. Check out the amazing work that they're doing. It's our website, and if I may also put it yeah. out there, Facebook as well as Instagram as well as Twitter. Yeah, follow it at, what's the handle? Hmm. So Facebook is Daisy International, and if I'm not mistaken, our Twitter handle as well as our Instagram handle is Daisy underscore I-N-T. I-N-T. Yeah. Right, you all. Please check them out. Olga, again, thank you so much. Thank you for having me and congratulations on the show. Congratulations on the content that you're wanting to put out there. All the best. And I need to say that not only am I proud of you as Mr. Director, but also as happy. Well, I appreciate that, wifey. Thank you very much. <laughs> and y'all, again, thank you for joining us. This is The JW Show. I am Joshua Washington, Director of Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel, and I'm signing off.